Welcome to another episode of the Creativity Algorithm. This is the show that is designed to help people have good ideas more often. Hey, and welcome back to the Creativity Algorithm podcast today. And this week is episode 37, titled Musical Norms. I'm going to start with a quote. All right, the quote is, I'm not really sure where I got it, but it stuck with me so much so that I had to look up the author of the quote. And the quote is this, music is what feelings sound like. That stuck with me, um, I don't know, for decades, because I don't know where I first heard it. And that brings us to a concept in psychology called source amnesia. All of us know that George Washington is the first president. None of us can remember where we heard it. Or maybe you can, but I, just, I assume most people can't. That's called source amnesia. Okay, so I love music. And I think as soon as I said that, I realized that is the dumbest thing I could ever say. Actually, I think there might be one or two sentences that are vying for the title of the dumbest sentence ever. Uh, one of them is going to be the phrase, research says. Because anything after that uh, intro to that sentence, research says, is going to be highly uh, suspect, you know, highly doubtable. And I think the all-time worst sentence would be, uh, the, it's usually after someone says something, they follow it up with a sentence like, I'm just saying, <laughs> why would you say that right after you just said what you just said? All right, well, I'm a little bit off track, and that shouldn't surprise anyone. Um, you can imagine from the title and from the quote, this is going to be a little bit about music. Um, so let's just let's just dig in. Um, like most people, my musical taste has evolved over the years. And that, of course, doesn't mean that I still don't like the awesomeness that was and still is the 80s music. Growing up, I was lucky that there was a piano in my house. I don't think it was tuned, so maybe I can blame that for my lack of musical skill. It was a hand-me-down from an older relative that I sadly can't remember. But let me assure you, that's not going to happen to me. I think I'm going to screw a brass plate uh, onto everything that I own, a brass plate that has my name on it. So when I die, some long-lost, yet-to-be-born descendant will know from where he or she got that thing. So they will know that this guy named Joe Swope handed him down this thing that I guess he's now forced to play piano on. All right. Well, that was that was a little bit of a of a right turn. Let me let me dig in. Here we go. Um, as that crazy last sentence and thought states, I didn't use the piano uh, much that was in our house. My sisters did. Uh, they took piano lessons. I guess I took whatever my parents steered me towards or whatever sport I was into at the time. You know, maybe they even liked the lessons when they first started, but I'm pretty sure I remember they hated them as the lessons progressed. Um, now, looking back as a grown psychologist, I wish my parents had made me take piano lessons or at least made me stick with the random instrument that at the time I had begged them for and then, of course, promptly ended up hating. I can remember I think there was guitar, saxophone, and I'm sure there was a recorder when I was in elementary school. And I, of course, it always starts with a music class in school. Then I would come home and beg my parents and tell them like I was really, really serious. And I would, in fact, practice every day and I would take care of the instrument. Well, you know, that went as well about as a kid who begs his parents for a puppy and then promises to take care of it. And as a kid and now as a parent, I have seen both sides of the old puppy switcheroo. I've been on there and I, I think I hopefully my daughter's listening to this one. Uh, we have a turtle switcheroo. She decided to get a turtle when she was quite young and now she's moved out of the house. And I didn't know at the time that turtles live for decades. So who is still cleaning that uh, warm water? Water turtles tank. 
That'd be this guy, the guy that's reading, reading this episode to you. All right. Well, I have seen the music lesson thing play out as a temporarily earnest child and as a skeptical paying parent. So I've seen a uh, paying. That's, that's important. I've seen, I've seen this play out and, and I guess it's just a natural circle of life. There is an amazing amount of research on music in the brain. Playing and learning music is generally a good thing for the brain, and it actually changes the brain. Um, and if you're listening to this, I have my in-text citations from where I looked in, in, in different scholarly journals to find the article to not, not prove it, but offer strong evidence. Um, let's go back to changes the brain. The reality is nearly everything we do changes the brain. If you're listening to my melodic storytelling voice, on some level, neurons in your brain, usually going to be in the temporal level or what's called Vernica's area on the left temporal lobe, neurons are going to be really active. They're going to be exchanging proteins. They're going to be putting ions in and out of an axon to make an electrical charge. All of that, of course, creates wastes and glial cells and other things are going to take that way. Ultimately, when you do something, your brain is changing. Neurons are reaching out to other neurons. They're making synapses. If you practice it a lot, those synapses, I'm not going to say become permanent, but become durable. So when you hear something changes the brain, well, you know what, don't, everything changes the brain. Um, but music changes the brain in a durable and good way. Okay. So let's, let's jump into this. It is increasingly interesting to note that very few species can appreciate or even perceive music. If we believe in the validity of the evolutionary psychology of the evolutionary theory, which I happen to do, then we must believe that the human brain evolved uh, the ability to create and appreciate music for a reason. There is a counter argument that not everything is for a purpose. There could just be uh, evolutionary accidents like the pit of an avocado. Why would I bring up that random thought? Well, most seeds are not digestible. So when herbivores eat stuff, they walk around, poop them out. And since the seeds aren't digested by the stomach acids, then the herbivores essentially just planting new seeds from that plant. Nature's wonderful. I just wonder if an avocado seed is so freaking big, I weep for the poor animal that ate an avocado and passed that thing. That's just a disaster. All right. Sorry, sorry if I got a little crude on you there. Okay, so uh, back to the, I totally got distracted. Back to me and my lack of musical ability. Um, when I was 23, however, I decided I enrolled myself in piano lessons again. I can't recall the reason. Uh, maybe it was because I felt I would, I don't know, somehow or another be cool or not. And you know, that didn't work out. Um, so I, I can't recall the reason. And any attempt to do so to recall why I did something decades ago would be tainted with what's called the self-consistency bias. That's the tendency for old people like me to view their younger selves through their current life lens and with the mind of a uh, much older person. And I'm sure young people hear this all the time where older folks will say, well, when my age, my day, we were much more respectful. In my age, when I was your age, I did this. No, no, no. You're misremembering how awful you were <laughs> as a teenager. So it's just a lesson for myself and other people who are older. Try not to judge people uh, with a biased lens. Okay, well, here we go. I remember in that piano lesson, I wanted to learn rock covers. Of course, 80s rock, 80s ballads. Well, my trying to play was like a monkey jumping up and down on a keyboard trying to type. Finally, I think my piano teacher just got tired of listening to me just bang through this. And the piano teacher was named Norm, from which we get the title, Musical Norm. Norm sat down and effortlessly played the 80s rock ballad that I was struggling with. 
I, I do remember this, and I, I know that memories aren't perfect, but I do remember this pretty clearly. I was amazed when he did that. He was trained classically. I don't think he had ever heard the song that I was trying to play. And, and again, I was amazed, not just cognitively, but emotionally. By, he just sat down, read sheet music as easily as you were reading this blog or listening to this post uh, or listening to this episode, and Norm created music but just as importantly, he created a feeling. I mean, I got like, you know, hairs on my arm stood. I'm like, oh my God, that is so freaking cool. My favorite song hit the course. And I'm like, wow, he could easily do that by reading dots on paper that he'd never really seen before. For me, it was the true intersection of the material and the form world. I invite you, if you don't know that, I invite you to listen to episode 38 or, or post 38. And in the form world, a, a real quick explanation. The form world is where beauty exists. The material world is where examples of beauty exist. You cannot see beauty. You, you can't see art. You can only see a work of art. You can only see a piece of art. You can only see an example of art, but you cannot see true art itself. Similarly, you can't see beauty. You can only see something that is beautiful. But in that moment, he had tangible paper, he had black spots on, on paper, but he could create something that didn't exist. That was powerful. Uh, and, and the tangible paper and pressing the keys and as powerful as that was, it can't be proven that that moment ever existed, which is again, the form world. You can't prove beauty exists. You can only sh assume it exists because shadows of it, as such as beautiful things, exist in our world. So what in the world does this have to do with teaching management or sales professionals to have good ideas more often? Well, we're going to make the comparison between having a good idea and playing a song. Easier said than done, but, but stick with me. For instance, we can see the notes on the page and we can observe the fingers on the keys. We can even measure the vibrations in the air with what's called an oscilloscope, but we can't directly observe or measure a song. We can see the creative process, but we can't see a good idea. Are songs analogous to good ideas? What are you going to do when you're when you want a good idea from your employee? Are are, are you going to be able to judge it as objectively as as an expert would judge music, or are you going to judge it subjectively based on your own musical or idea preferences? Okay. Are songs analogous to ideas? One could say that writing a song is the process of having good ideas in succession. I like that idea because writing a song, you're going to have the lyrics and you're going to have the melody and you're going to have the beat. And all of those are, of course, going to have to be good ideas laid on top of each other. Playing a song is the process of using an algorithmic process to create beauty and value. There's a concept in psychology called gestalt. Um, it means the whole is more than the sum of its parts. This means that the song is more than the notes and the sounds, just like a human is more than a bunch of organs working together. Just like a good idea is perhaps more than just the parts of the algorithm, the creativity algorithm, but I suggest the creativity algorithm, if not necessary, is helpful to getting a good idea. Think of Frankenstein's monster. It had all of the parts, but it wasn't human. What was it missing? That's a pretty good sophism. And hopefully you can use that one as you sit and relax later. So for those of you who are curious about your next good idea and when it will happen and what it's going to be, let me ask you, what's missing?
just like in Frankenstein's monster, it had all the parts, what's missing? Now, on the flip side of this, or on a different way, when I ask Norm in wonderment, how can you do that? How can you create emotion by just looking at a piece of paper you've never seen before and unconsciously moving your hands? I mean, I was, I was very specific. I wanted to know each step so I could replicate it. And he said he didn't know. He said he replied with the question. He just replied with the question. And he said, you know, how do you read? Take pattern of ink squiggles and form thoughts out of them. That's what reading is. That's kind of crazy. Think about it. You just take ra not random, but specific patterns of ink squiggles on a line. And then that can give you a good idea. So just as you might not right now, you might not be able to answer what is missing. Norm couldn't answer what is music made of any more than you can explain how this poster episode prompts you to think. Okay. Okay. Maybe the last few paragraphs were just a bit too abstract. Maybe you're like me and want it broken down into specific steps so it can be replicated. How can I have a good idea more often? This is the creativity algorithm after all. Well, we'll get to some specifics and how of how-tos in a bit, but let me call your attention back to those previous paragraphs. I think of a lot I think a lot of those abstract thoughts in the previous paragraphs are pretty good sophisms. So here we go. Bullet point number one. If Frankenstein's monster had all the parts of a person and could act with agency, why wasn't he human? Next sophism. What is music made of? If everything in the universe is made of atoms, is music, which then might bring us to this really twisted concept, maybe music isn't of this universe and belongs in the form world. Just throwing that out there. What is the exact point at which reading happens? Notice that you will never know because observing yourself reading will prevent the behavior you are trying to observe. Before we get into the how, let me tell you a quick story. There was a scientist who knew more about his specific domain than anyone. He was the expert in his field, but he got stuck. He had all the parts. He had education, the drive, years of experience, he had support, but he still got stuck. Just like a lot of us get stuck in our jobs or careers. Maybe you're a sales professional and you need that next big sale. How can you make it happen? Maybe you're a management professional and you just can't kind of reach through or break through to your team or that one employee. So what did that brilliant scientist do when he got stuck? He played the violin. He stopped working and made music. Without revisiting the more abstract concept of what is music or what is the precise point at which reading happens in the in other embedded sophisms, let me say the important thing is that he stopped working and started playing Making music is a great way to get into an alpha state. Now, we're almost to the specific how-tos, but let's go back to Frankenstein's monster. What was the thing that he didn't have that prevented him from being human? What if it was your opinion? What if the only place he wasn't human was in your mind or in the readers? I think it was Mary, Mary, Shelley, Mary Shelley's novel. I think that's who the author was. I should probably look that up before I say it in a podcast. What if the only place he wasn't human was in your mind or the readers of the novel? What if in his mind he was human? I suggest that you will have as much progress determining whether Frankenstein's monster was a human as you will determining the point at which reading or music starts to exist. By the way, that scientist I mentioned was Einstein. 
When he got stuck, he stopped stressing about his problem. He distracted himself with pleasant engagement. Playing music can bring on an alpha state. He repeated, and I think he called it combinatory play. I think that's Einstein's quote for, for basically being silly. He repeatedly said that playing music helped him bring, helped him think. Of course, not consciously. Even Einstein couldn't concentrate on two things at once. But while he was consciously playing music, his unconscious was hard at play, assembling raw material into his ideas like a kid assembles Legos into a unique creation. All right. With the end of every episode, um, I do takeaway, spreading the thoughts, and the title of the next post. Well, before I do the the takeaway, let me go back and restate: if you're new to the creativity algorithm or haven't heard other episodes or read other uh, posts, the concept is working with relaxation and engagement, mental engagement. The relaxation is we call an alpha state. It's not sitting on the couch, vegging out, you know, stuffing Cheetos in your mouth while, while watching TV, because that way your brain isn't active. It's doing a hobby. It's going to be getting relaxed, but thinking. And one of the things we use in the creativity algorithm is we're going to think of these sophisms, these fun, pleasant mental exercises or cognitive challenges that allow our brains or maybe push our brains in a different direction, making those new synapses that we talked about earlier in this episode. Because the theory is the more you think differently, then the more different thoughts you will have. Oh, I got to write that down. That was good. The more you think differently, the more different thoughts you'll have. And ultimately, isn't that what creativity is? Isn't that what having a good idea is? Okay, well, the takeaway for this week, I'm going to recommend that you don't get into an alpha state. I think you'll need to concentrate for this one. I think, and, and here it is, ready? I think you should learn one musical skill with the idea that we might use it later in the creativity algorithm to help you get into an alpha state. Hold on. Hold on. It doesn't have to be a piano or violin. How about just learning to memorize the treble clef? How about learning hot cross buns on a recorder? We aren't looking for the result of what you learn. I don't care if you ever learn a song. Rather, the process of engaging in music. That's the sophism. See what pops into your mind when you distract yourself with learning music. In a later post or episode, we're going to use what you learn as a sneaky side door into an alpha state. Spreading the thoughts. For a weird random question you can stump your family and friends with, ask people if Frankenstein's monster was human. If they say no, ask them why. What is he missing? If they seem interested, please tell them about the creativity algorithm. Title of the next post... 4D printing. Thank you for listening. If you've missed a previous episode, you might want to go back and listen to the earlier episodes.